Good morning, dear faithful. On this vigil of the Feast of the Ascension, and uh, today's Mass is being offered for the special intentions requested by Tim Watkins. As of today, we have not received any uh, details about the reopening of our churches. And uh, from what I heard from our dean of our deanery here in Waterbury, uh, from his announcements from his own live stream mass, that we might be receiving some in a few days, and uh, we might be able then to announce something over the Sunday, the next Sunday. So I'm assuming that we will continue then with private masses up to Sunday at least, and we will see the, the plan that is given to us first to the clergy, and then I believe that the Archbishop will announce what days we will be able to start our reopening. And so I am very sorry that this has, we have been all been anxious. We had thought that maybe today would have been the day since it's the 20th of May, the day when the governor had released us from the stay home, stay safe initiative. And, uh, and there was a modified executive order to, to allow gradually businesses and the gatherings and all that. But as we speak in the state of Connecticut, we are still, we still have to observe social distancing, of course, and gatherings must be limited. And uh, religious gatherings, I was told, is that we have to meet, we cannot meet uh, over 50 people. So thinking of that order of the governor, I believe the archbishop then will say to all of our churches that we have to limit our masses to maximum 50, but I'm not sure yet. We will, we will see about that. So let us continue to pray, and especially on this vigil of the Ascension, which, of course, is penitential. However, we do know that it falls on during the Paschal Tide, during the season of Easter, which has not yet, has not yet finished, and so that's why the vestments are still in white. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, Amen. Also, I'm sorry, thank you again for all of the generosity you have expressed during these past weeks. And we continue to rely on your generous donations, uh, whatever you can contribute, especially if you can mail them in or turn them in in person in our box here that is located in the nave of the church. Because we, we know that you also are running into difficulties financially probably, uh, spiritually as we are deprived a little bit of, of the sacraments for now. But uh, please know that God will reward you for any generosity you can, you can express for the needs of the church. And to thank you again for using our online giving, this link that is provided in our webpage that you can click on and I thank you again for helping us in this time. Now we are in the third day of the rogation of the rogation days that precede the feast of the Ascension. And I would like to recall then that last week we had been 
using the catechism of Father Spirago, catechism explained to, to tell you about more in depth the prayers that we ought to know by heart. And one of them that we had exposed was the Paternoster, the Lord's Prayer. I would like also to revisit the Our Father, but under the help and meditation of St. Thomas Aquinas. As I had mentioned a little about the, about the Lord's Prayer and, and, uh, uh, last week, but I would like also you to see the, the true and well-made structure of the meditation of St. Thomas Aquinas. And hopefully it gives you a, another glimpse of our Lord's Prayer that we recite every day, that we hope that we, that I hope that you pray each and every day, especially in our rosaries, in our, when we get up from bed, for example, when we go to sleep. So let us then begin with the great words of St. Thomas Aquinas. See, the Lord's Prayer has five excellent merits required in every prayer. For prayer should be, there are five of them, confident, straightforward, regulated, devout, and humble. Confident, so that we might approach the throne of God and His grace with confidence. In faith, also not failing. Let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, for he that wavers is like a wave of the sea, which is moved and carried about by the wind. And so it crashes and falls. And this comes from the epistle of St. James. But the Lord's Prayer is most secure, for it was formulated by our Advocate, who is a most prudent petitioner, in whom are all the treasures of wisdom. That is why St. Cyprian says, We have Christ as an Advocate with the Father for the remission of our sins. And when we petition Him, we speak the words of our Advocate. Further, the Lord's Prayer appears more secure from this that He Himself has taught us to pray it. He has heard the prayer with the Father. He has cried to me and I have heard Him, according to the book of Psalms. St. Cyprian again says that the Lord asks us for us with His own prayer, a friendly, familiar, and devout prayer. Hence, this prayer is never said in vain, for through its devout recitation, venial sins are remitted. Our prayer should be straightforward, coming from the heart, suitable so that the one praying asks of God things which are suitable for him. But to know what we should seek is most difficult, since it is most difficult to know what we should desire. We know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself asketh for us with unspeakable groanings. But Christ himself is the giver of the Holy Ghost, and it is he 
who teaches what to pray for. Our prayer, like our desire, should be proper, since prayer is the messenger of our desire. Prayer delivers the message, so that in desiring and in praying, we should prefer the spiritual to the temporal, heavenly things to terrestrial things. The Lord teaches us this in the prayer, Our Father, in which heavenly things are asked first, and afterwards earthly things. See, our prayer should be devout, because the essence of devotion is to make a prayer, a sacrifice most acceptable to God. In thy name I will lift up my hands. Let my soul be filled as with marrow and fatness. But devotion for the most part is weakened by the length of the prayer. Hence the Lord has taught us to avoid prayer of a superfluous length. When you are praying, speak not much, according to the Gospel of St. Matthew. St. Augustine says, Let much loquacity be removed from prayer, but let a fervent appeal be present. And let a fervent intention persevere. Hence the Lord himself institutes this brief prayer, the Our Father, the Lord's Prayer. But devotion arises from charity, which consists in the love of God and of our neighbor, both of which are shown in the Lord's Prayer. To gain divine love, we call God Father, and to win the love of our neighbor, we pray for all in general, saying, Our Father, and forgive us our trespasses. The love of our neighbor should induce us to do so. The prayer also should be humble. He has regarded the prayer of the humble, and he has not despised their petition. Thy power, O Lord, is not in a multitude nor is thy pleasure in the strength of horses, nor from the beginning have the proud been acceptable to thee. But the prayer of the humble and the meek have always pleased thee. O God of the heavens, creator of the waters, and Lord of all creation, hear me, a poor wretch, making supplication to thee and presuming on thy mercy. See, this humility is in truth contained in the Lord's Prayer. For true humility exists when we presume nothing upon our own powers, but place all our confidence upon a power which is divine. And one of the obstacles then, dear faithful, of our prayers and how it could be more fruitful, how it's preventing us from being you know, uplifted by these prayers is truly pride. Pride which can be hidden in our lives. And many of you might say, I have no pride at all. I try to be humble as well. But that is a prideful statement. And so it is truly prayer that will heal us from our pride. Because prayer helps us be humbled. In this modern world that we like to, uh, like to, you know, we have to live in, we always see the many things that attack our, 
our humility, many things that allow us to become so prideful, whether it be in achieving human esteem or human respect, or whether it be to show others unnecessary things that we have accomplished. And this has even, has even multiplied so much with, with the use of technology. And uh, of course, here at St. Patrick, we try to use Facebook only during, you know, for this time. However, Facebook can be used in other social media such as Instagram or Twitter or what have you. There's so many out there now that it's countless that people like to just simply show things to others. Maybe they're proud of what they're, what they're taking pictures of. But, of course, we see the usual pictures of the food that we eat, of probably even selfies, right? This uh, self-photographs of ourselves to show how much we have aged, probably. But you see, these, even though we might have not the intentions of being prideful, these are vehicles to deliver us into that path of perdition. And so let us be careful, even with our words, even with our thoughts and what we do, because the more we, are, we try to strive for excellence, the more the devil will tempt us to, to be prideful in whatever way. And, uh, of course, we have to rely on the sacraments of God in order for us to truly remain humble because it is through the sacraments we are given so much grace, so much power from God that it helps us to know our relationship with God and that we are creatures. We are not in our power to do everything. We are not able to, to do much without the grace and help and sustenance of God. And so we see also how humbling it is that this crisis has put us down, locked down for most of the states that uh, we are living in, in or throughout the world. How humbling it is to be deprived of the many conveniences of life. But let us try our best then to make use of this humbling time, to show that we are weak people, we cannot solve this problem on our own. Only God can solve this for us. And we must try to connect ourselves more to God in order for us to see the supernatural insight and view of God, that he, how He sees these things on earth. And, of course, many people might have been angered or might be frustrated, especially with our authorities right now, but let us not be, let us put that aside. Because it is so easy to criticize. And even I'm, I'm, I'm very astonished how this pulpit, you know, the pulpit that is in the church can be used as a way to criticize so much in uncharitable ways, in uncharitable levels among my brother priests. And we have seen so many uh, good and faithful shepherds, you know, being criticized for many decisions that they have to make. Of course, we must keep a balanced and supernatural view of how the church is and how 
the world works and how our Lord permits then these atrocities or these negative things because it is for our good. Now, we must try to keep a balanced view here and try to not be so tempted to criticize or to, to have so many negative comments about others. You see, if we, keep, if we like to use the pulpit or even our authority, maybe you have a teaching authority, maybe you're a teacher, maybe you're in a position of power because of your occupation, if we like to use our fingers to point and say, shame on them, or how dare they, or they should resign, you know, how is that helpful for the people who hear? We must always be charitable in what we say. We must be truthful in what we say. That's true as well. But if we separate that, the truth from charity, then the truth will be hard to accept. And if we are charitable but are not truthful, then charity is false. And so here is the challenge, dear faithful. In the many meditations we might be hearing online, or in the many sermons that are being circulated saying, look at this, look at these sermons, they must be great because this person is maybe attacking the bishops, whatever, etc., which I know they're, they're out there, in social media, social websites, all of these things that seem to be attacking people instead of us, instead of our sinful lives. We must see that it is so much easier to do that. And that's why it also attracts people to see all of those negative things, thinking that in the guise of being brave, you know, they say that, oh, this, this thing is, is quite true or whatever. Now, it might be that you're confused in what I'm saying, but it's just that out of charity, I do not want to point out too many things that are being said right now in the whatever you call social world or in the links that are being emailed to me that I cannot truly watch all day. But let us see that it is more challenging for the preacher or for the priest, or for the teacher, or for the father of the family, or for the head of the household, to always have that, medi that middle ground of the balance of truth and charity. See, we can always do the excess, you know, where we, we only speak truth, but it's very harsh, or it could be interpreted in a different way or in a very critiquing way, which then is not helpful for the ears of the faithful. You see, so the extremities, like in virtue, the virtue stands in the middle. For example, prudence lies in the middle. Because if we are too prudent, or what we call that, it's excessive. And we will not be able to make decisions if, it's, if we have excessive prudence. Now, if we have laxity in prudence, then we will sin because we are not trying to make the measures necessary to, to achieve the end. I hope that you understand this little example of uh, prudence or maybe of justice. You, know, you can always think about the four moral virtues, the cardinal virtues that uh, we know, you know, temperance as well. Maybe that is something easier for us to, to learn. So temperance is always in the middle if we are over-temperate, right, then we will not be able 
then we will be able to be over-temperate in all things, even for those things that are permitted. For example, if we are allowed to read according to our parents, then being over-temperate, maybe we're not allowed to read, you see. Being intemperate, right, having laxity in temperance, then we fall into the sin of excessiveness, right? For example, when someone drinks, you know, maybe a cup of wine, you know, for their meal. But if you're excessive and intemperate, then you will fall into drunkenness or other sins. You see, so virtue stands in the middle, in the balance. Same thing with trying to preach or trying to give words of encouragement to others. It must always be virtuous. It is so easy for preachers to stray on either side and how that is more tantalizing to the faithful's ears. And so let us not be discouraged, dear faithful, if we see that in the guise of being brave or courageous, that these people who use the pulpit, and I, I unfortunately misuse it sometimes. I hope I'm not misusing it as well, but I would like to just let you know that some may be using it to use as a political device, or just to rant, or to complain, or to just say shame on these people. This should not be used in the holy office of the pulpit of the priest, because it only damages the reputations of other teachers of the faith who might be trying to do and properly do their job. So let us be mindful and be prudent, dear faithful, in what we select for sermons, for catechism, for the teaching. And especially during this time when I believe that so many people are using technology right now to remotely connect, for example, schools, you know, a lot of students are learning from remotely, which is very hard to do, I would think. And a lot of meetings are being conducted through, through many meetings and channels, you know, through platforms like Skype and Zoom. And also there are so many live stream masses out there. And of course, there are so many people preaching. And remember, we must be prudent in what we hear and also know that we must be careful not everything that might be that might be what we call traditional might be the common uh, the common opinion of the church so let us be careful in that dear faithful and that is why it is always good that we use for example examples of the saints and therefore usually you know we like i like to use this book because i rely more on the words of saint thomas aquinas of the catechism than my own personal words. And of course, on Sundays, it is more lengthy, the, the sermon, because I try to reflect more as in a, in, a, in a way of a sermon, using, of course, the words of church fathers, quotations, for example, using the Holy Scripture and all that. But to only use, for example, sermons or the place of the homily in order to just say the opinions of the priest and all that is a misuse of the holy office, of the teaching of, of the priest for the faithful. So, it is difficult. I know that maybe there, there must be must, much discernment in all of this. And so, therefore, for all of us, dear faithful, let us never be discouraged in what we hear. Maybe there are so many negative things that we are being uh, heard, we are hearing and depressing us so much. Let us lift ourselves up so that we can supernaturalize, again, as I've said so much before, 
these things that are occurring in our lives. You know, how many people like to point out, for example, just one example, the, the uh, issue of the mask, you know, the issue of the mask. Uh, I am not a scientist, so I do not know if it's effective or not, or maybe it is effective. But so many people are trying to circulate so much information whether or not to do that. But let us use prudence, of course. Let us wash our hands. Let us take a bath. Let us try to be as clean as possible in order to avoid an infection. And so let us rely also on scientists and see what truly is the effective way to combat this pandemic. So many people propose you know, using vitamin C or some other medicines. But I'm not a doctor, so I cannot say anything. So therefore, I am not at all in a position to say, take this certain medicine or take that. What we can do is use common sense in these things too. So relying on a trustful doctor, you know, a good, worthy doctor, also using proper hygiene, you know, sanitation, for example. We use sanitizing, uh, uh, how do you call it, cleansers for, for our church. And I hope that is effective enough, unless someone tells me that we should be using more toxic chemicals or whatever. But still, you see, we can only do things with what we've received as training or what we received as, uh, as education. And we're only competent in those things. Of course, we can learn. We can continue to learn. We can increase our knowledge. But let us try to always be balanced in this, dear faithful so that we may also promote the truth of Christ. You know, truth of Christ, but always in the spirit of charity. You know, if, for example, our comments, uh, we like to point out things, you know, to say, okay, out of correction or out of love for you, I correct you, that's fine. But if it's only to badger the person, to attack, then it is not worth, the correction is not worth it. And so let us be careful and see if we compare you know, our whatever communication we have or whatever things we, we hear and do. Let us always model and perfect it according to Christ and how He had to correct sinners, how He prayed with people, how He encouraged and uplifted the sick and dying, how He taught His disciples and how the words were so mild. You see, He is the great uh, person, the great Lord who we have to imitate and so, if we see that our church is in crisis and that our world is in crisis, let us use the Our Father then, dear faithful, to help lift us up from this scourge and from these negative things. And let us try to keep the joy in us and see that heaven is awaiting for us as long as we do the will of God and that we are in a state of grace. So such joy that we should be. So let us not be bogged down from this, this eight-week-long lockdown that we have. But let us try to uplift ourselves. And so, of course, I suffer too personally from this. And uh, speaking about this helps me also to think and consider and meditate on how I can also be uplifted, even if all of these problems arise, you know, especially here, dear faithful, managing and uh, thinking of this church, of course, operating it worries me in the future. But let us always then trust in our Lord and be confident in Him that all things will work out. All right? So let us use the virtues of faith, hope, and charity 
let us use the great and practice the great virtues of our cardinal virtues of temperance, of prudence, justice, and uh, fortitude. And to do that always in the means, right? Because that is what is virtuous. Anything excessive or lax is not virtuous and is actually vicious, right? Or sinful. So let us try our best then, dear faithful. And I hope that this lengthier, lengthier consideration today did not attack you so much. I just wanted to share this with you through my reflections and meditations during these times. And what great way to do, prepare ourselves more, you know, with spiritual communion, with our, with our act of perfect contrition, in order to prepare ourselves for the great Ascension Day. And so, of course, the Archbishop has dispensed all the Catholics in the province, ecclesiastical province of Hartford, from attending the Holy Day of Obligation tomorrow since here in this area the Ascension still falls, the Holy Day of Obligation still falls tomorrow, not Sunday, it's not transferred here. So, but however, because of the crisis, it is dispensed to all of you. So, that I hope that provides you relief if you feel that you are fearful of not being able to attend the Holy Day, the, the Archbishop has dispensed that because of our current situation. So let us move on, dear faithful. Let us pray the Our Father more fervently. Let us try our best then to, to promote truth and charity together. Because that is the model of St. Paul. That is also the device that we use in the Institute of Christ the King. To always cook the truth in charity until it tastes sweet. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.